Hello, Real Life family and friends, and if you're visiting with us, thanks for tuning in. I'm Tim, pastor at Real Life here in Montrose, and I'm excited to be able to share another message with you today about the church of the last days. So we've been doing a series on this topic, and in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talks about the end times or the last days and the different signs and the different challenges that will be uh, facing the church. And then in Matthew chapter 25, he gives three parables of how we are to live in the last days. And so just to summarize real quickly, the church of the last days will be ready, uh, we will be faithful, and we will be loving. And so Jesus' message to us in those parables is that we are to be filled with his spirit and have a real relationship with him. We have a calling and a purpose on, on this, uh, on our lives. And so we are to be faithfully living out that purpose of fruitfulness and multiplying the image of God on the earth to keep ourselves busy, not with fear, not with worry, not with all the issues of this world, but busy with the plan that God has for our life to multiply his image on the earth. And the means by which we do that is love. And those are the three parables in Matthew chapter 25. Today, I want to wrap up this series with one more uh, characteristic of the church of the last days of who we are as people. Not this organization church, but who I am as a son and daughter of God church. Because we are the church. It's people, you and me. So how are we to live our lives? We are to live our lives in these last days with a real relationship with Jesus, being led by His Spirit, and number two, to be faithful to do what he's called us to do. And number three, with love. And today I just want to say that the church of the last days will be shining. This is my last message in this series. We will be shining because the church of the last days will be walking full of grace and truth like Jesus did in a world of evil and darkness. And because we are the light, we will be shining in these last days with the truth of God's love. While in the world there will be hatred, we see this anger, slander, abuse, harshness, evil, but the church will look completely different, right? The church will be loving, forgiving, gracious, peacemaking, and kind, and kind. Okay, we're not going to look like the world. We're not going to act like the world. While in the world there will be lies, deception, trickery, hiddenness, falseness, darkness, the church will be the opposite of that, right? We will be truthful, honest, pure seeking, real, and we will be light. In the darkness. And so you have this contrast, this huge contrast. That it's almost like the darkness is getting darker and the light is getting lighter. Okay? And the church is to be getting lighter, more like Jesus. The Bible says that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter and brighter till the full day. That means our lives are becoming more and more like Jesus, right? Shining more and more of his light in us, through us. Uh, until the day that Jesus returns. And so we are to be shining in the last days. The church will be shining in a contrast to the hate and lies in the world. The church will be filled with grace and truth. Grace and truth. Instead of fear and doubt, which we see all over the place in the world, we will have love and faith. Okay? Now, 
To, uh, tonight, if you're watching this on Sunday, tonight is Halloween. And how fitting this message is today. I didn't really plan it, but this, this message is, is really fitting for what's going on tonight in terms of our culture. And so as a church, we've always decided that we're not going to hide you know, from the darkness. We're not going to give one night away a year uh, to darkness or to evil, in a sense, the sim- symbol symbolism of Halloween, but instead we want to turn the light on. And so tonight our event is called, uh, <laughs> it's called Light the Night. We want to light the night. We want to shine in the darkness. And this is a, really a, a calling of all of us throughout our entire lives is to be light where, wherever we go, to be truth wherever we go. And so the church of the last days is to shine. So by the way, tonight we'll be We'll be here. We'll have some free food, lots of fun and games, but we're going to be there present with the light of God's love and peace uh, and offering friendship and, and all these things, right, to our, our community because we want to invade darkness with light and truth and hope. Build relationships and connections with people to bring them, to attract them to the love of God, to the truth of God. And so that's what we're going to be doing. Now here's what... Um, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, it kind of mirrors Genesis chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him, in Jesus, was life, and listen to this phrase, and that life was the light of men. That life was the light of men. The life in Jesus is, again, the symbolism is what brings us alive. It's the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And Jesus goes on to teach his disciples and you and me. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt, if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Jesus says, after all these verses, he says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. You are the salt. And, and you, you have the flavor. You have the distinctiveness of showing the way, right? Because he's the light. He is in us. So now we are the light of the world. And we need to shine that light in the darkness. And so the church of the last days is shining with grace and truth. Jesus is alive in us and he is oozing out of us. Wherever we go, we are bringing truth. We are holding on to truth. We are defending the truth. We are proclaiming the truth with grace, with love, with mercy, with understanding, with empathy. And so we are full of grace and truth and truth. So there's a very strong warning that Jesus gives us in the last days. And I wanted to talk about that warning. Jesus warns us against being deceived. So I want to talk about deception or being deceived. And this is what he says. 
He says in Matthew 24, verse 4 and verse 24, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So many people will be deceived in the last days. They're going to think that, you know, uh, a false prophet or a false uh, teacher or something is Christ because they're going to proclaim that. And he says, for Christ, false Christ and false prophets will appear, and listen to this, and perform great signs and miracles to even uh, to deceive even the elect if that were possible. So we see Jesus is teaching that there's going to be a lot of deception going on in the end times, in the last days. There's going to be people proclaiming to be Jesus or the, or the returning Messiah. There's going to be false prophets. There's even going to be miracles and signs and wonders performed in order to deceive people into following themselves as false prophets or false messiahs. And so Jesus is warning us, do not be deceived. So I want to talk about this today because we need to be shining and the church shines with truth and grace, but it's possible to get deceived. And I want to give us some time to think about what Jesus is saying. So here's some other scriptures that talk about what's going to happen in the last days. Second Timothy 3 verses 1 to 5, Paul says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Paul says that there's going to be a time where people begin to hold to a form of godliness, but it doesn't have power. It's not real. It's almost like it's a fake um, faith. It's like a fake faith. It's like this outward appearance of godliness, but on the inside, there's, it's empty. Just like the lamps are missing the oil. It's not real. There's no power. He said, you're going to see that happening. In 1 Timothy 4, 1, Paul says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. I mean, this is crazy. So Paul's saying there's going to be Christians or followers, believers, who at some point actually leave their faith and begin to follow teachings that are inspired by demons, okay? And these are previous Christians. These aren't just Satanists or, you know, devil worshipers. These are people who had faith, who abandoned their faith, and turned to deceiving spirits. This is crazy. And we already see what I would consider doctrines of demons, teachings of demons that our culture have embraced that are directly contradicting the Word of God and are demonically uh, originated, okay? There's no question about it. We're already seeing our culture uh, just flow in that direction. And so uh, it, it's happening. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, Paul says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. <laughs> You know, you, usually you use that phrase that you don't put up with and it's something negative, right? Well, I'm not going to put up with that attitude or I'm not going to put up with that, you know, that kind of thing. But in this case, unfortunately, it's not putting up with something good. It, Paul says there's going to be a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They will not have anything to do with it. Instead, he says to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth 
and turn aside to myths. There will be a decision people make where they will no longer put up with or want to hear or live by sound doctrine or truth. They will embrace lies and myths. This is incredible. And uh, we are already seeing this happen. But don't let it happen to you. Jesus says, do not let anyone deceive you. Okay, so we're, there's this tenacity that we need to have as believers that we know what the truth is and we are holding on to that truth with God's help, right? Even though our culture might be changing, the truth of God's word never changes. So we, as the church of the last days, need to be firm and strong and steadfast in the word of God. Can I get an amen from somebody? Because that is what protects us, okay? So there's a form of godliness, no power, a false faith, a false sense of spiritual security. There's people abandoning their faith, following deceiving spirits, following demonic teachings, people turning their ears away from the truth, turning their ears toward myths. And the reason is because their evil desires draw them away, right? And the result is the snuffing out of the truth and the light that brings freedom and life to men. Remember, Jesus said that this, this life in him is the light of men and darkness and, and lies and deception want to snuff out the truth, cover up the light uh, and, and, and take away the image of God from us, the freedom that we have. Second Corinthians 10, 5 says that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you do not live a lifestyle of filtering all of your thoughts and all the messages coming at you from the culture, from the world, from wherever the sources are, if you do not live a lifestyle of filtering all of those things through the word of God, through the truth, you will be deceived. The Bible says we need to filter every thought and take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So we have a cultural uh, message coming at us through a commercial, through a politician, you know, through the news agency, through the newspaper, through a, a neighbor, through some policy, whatever. And this, this message comes at us and what we need to do is we need to filter all of that through the knowledge of God, the truth of God's word. And if it's against God's word, we need to uh, break that thought, right, and take it captive. It's like a wrestling term. We're going to take that thought, we're going to pin it to the mat and make it obedient to Christ and say, no, that's not true. Now, this is a lifestyle that Christians need to have for them to not fall into deception. Okay, so that's what we do. Now, this implies, though, I want to talk about deception, first of all. Deception, the word deceive means to cause someone to believe something that is not true. Typically, in order to gain some personal advantage, okay? So this implies that there is a truth and there are lies that are used to draw people away from this truth. So to be deceived is to buy into a lie to lead you away from what is actually true. And Jesus says, don't let anyone do that to you. Do not listen or believe the lies that will take you away from my truth, from who I am, who you are in me. Okay, so that's the warning. Jesus said to the devil in John 8, 44, 
He says this, I'm quoting, he was a murderer from the beginning. So we're going to look at what Jesus is saying in the beginning. The first mention of the, of the devil is in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go there in a second. So Jesus says in the beginning, he was a murderer in the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. There is no truth in the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So lying or deception was created by the devil. He is the author of deception. He's the author of lies. And his motive, Jesus tells us in John 10, 10, is to steal and kill and destroy. So the reason why he wants to deceive us is to rob the image of God from our lives, to stop us from reproducing and being fruitful with the image of God on the earth. Because that is God's commission to us. That is God's plan, is to fill all the earth with his glory, with his image. So the devil goes directly against the purpose of your life and my life to distort, uh, to deprave the image of God upon us and stop us from multiplying God's goodness and his love and his mercy and his truth. So that's the, that's the motive of the devil, all right? So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 3. So this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, in the beginning, he was a murderer from the very beginning. So Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, here's the story you're probably pretty familiar with. It says, now the serpent was more crafty. He was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So I want to pause here and, uh, and just break down how the devil deceives. What is his method of operation? Number one, it is he creates doubt. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, he asks the women, first words out of the devil's mouth that we see recorded in the Bible is this, did God really say? Did he really say? And he is trying to create doubt about God's word and God's truth. He's trying to create, you know, us to question God, to question, uh, to question his word and the, the veracity of his word, right? So it goes on to say, the woman said to the serpent, or first of all, he said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Verse two, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, the devil says, the serpent, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. And so here's the second thing that he does. First, he creates doubt. Secondly, he tells a lie. Right? That's what Jesus said. From the beginning, he was a murderer and he is the father of lies. When he speaks a lie, he is speaking his native language. And so then the devil creates doubt about God's word and his truth, and then he lies about it, and this is what he said to the woman. He directly contradicts what God said. He says, you will not surely die. And God said, you will surely die. So he's lying. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And this is the third thing that the devil does. He appeals to our greed, our lust, and our pride, our sinful nature. He appeals to it. He says, you can be like God. 
you will be like God. So he's doubting God's truth. He's, um, you know, calling, uh, calling God's truth a lie. And then he appeals to the things that we would desire in our sinful nature. Greed, pride, lust. And this is what he says. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, so that's greed, she wanted that, pleasing to the eye, that's lust, it looked good to her, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, that was pride, I can be as smart as God. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And so that's how the devil works. The etymology or the study of the word of deceive comes from a Latin word. I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but decipere, decipere. And it has this meaning of to catch, to ensnare, cheat, lie, trickery, and treachery. (laughs) So like some modern day examples of really what deceit looks like is if you have a, uh, a fishing lure and it looks like a little mini, you know, beautiful fish, and, but yet it has the hooks attached to it, right? Or a mouse trap is a, it's a trap to ensnare. And you put a piece of cheese or some peanut butter on the trigger, right? And you're deceiving, you're tricking this mouse into saying, look at that. If you can get that, oh, look at that. Don't you want that food? Don't you want that peanut butter? And if the mouse goes ahead and grabs that cheese or that that peanut butter, he is ensnared with the trap. The trap is set. The bait is, you know, the basics of, of life, right? Greed, lust, pride. And so this is how this word came to mean what it means. Literally, when I was looking in the Hebrew and the woman said, Um, this in verse uh, 13. She said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. When I was looking at the Hebrew, it says the serpent lured me and I ate. And so deceiving uh, and deception is all about a lure, an enticement, but there's a trap that's set to get us, right? And so that's interesting to remember. And Jesus says, don't let anyone trap you, cheat you, lie to you, ensnare you, uh, deceive you, because that will lead to your detriment, right? So we want to keep our shine. We want to keep shining that light. And so how do we keep our shine? I want to just give you three quick, re- three quick tools that God has given us to keep shining, to not be deceived, to not fall into se- deception, because this is a real thing that's going to happen to many people in the last days. And many Christians, the Bible says, will abandon their faith. They will fall away. They will be deceived by other people. How do we not do that? How do we stay protected? How do we keep our faith? How do we stay strong? How do we walk in the truth? How do we do that? And I'm going to give you three really strong, basic tools that God has given us to do that. Number one is to know and follow God's word. I mean, this is the very thing that Jesus used to defeat the devil and his temptations over him. Three times the devil was tempting Jesus, even using scriptures uh, to Jesus. And Jesus spoke the word of God to defeat the temptation. He spoke 
the truth because he knew the truth, he had studied the truth, he was living the truth, so he used the truth to stay strong, okay? So the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. In other words, God's word, his principles, literally guide our footsteps, our decisions in life. And we need to use this flashlight all the time. Every time we're making decisions, every time there's a thought coming at us, every time there's a new message coming at us, we need to turn the light on and, and make sure that God is directing our steps, not the opinion of the day, not the opinion of the culture, not someone who we respect, but the Word of God is going to lead us and guide us in how we are to think, how we are to believe, how we are to act. This is our truth. Psalm 119.45 says, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I love this one. If you walk in alignment with God's word, you will walk in freedom. You will not walk in bondage, bitterness, pain, hurt, anger, darkness. You, you will walk in freedom if you take the word of God, you read it, you study it, you speak it, you put it in practice. God will use his principles and his truth to set you free. And you can live in freedom if you're living in alignment with God's word. This is awesome. That's why you will shine. Because you'll be shining with freedom, shining with life, shining with truth. Truth looks good on you. Grace looks good on you. And that's our shine. That's how we keep our shine, right? So in Joshua 1.8, is one of my favorite verses. Uh, God is telling Joshua, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. So you're careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And from this verse, we learn that we need to be um, speaking it because it's not supposed to leave our mouth. We're to be thinking about it, meditating on it, and we're to be doing it, doing it, right? Jesus says um, the one who built his house on the rock is not the one who just heard it, but he did it. He put the word of God into practice and he built his house on the rock. The rock is Jesus, the word of God, his truth. And so this word of God is to be central in your life and my life. It's got to be completely interwoven into everything that we're doing, all of our values, all of our thinking. When we have the culture coming at us with all these different things, it all needs to get filtered through the Word of God. Otherwise, we will walk in deception. We will be deceived. No question about it. No question about it. This is the truth. And I want to give you a challenge. I believe that we need a daily devote time to study and meditate on the Word of God so that we change our thinking, change our mind, be transformed. And we need to speak, think, and do the Word of God. My question is, what is the source of your truth? What is the source of your truth? Where do you get truth from? From the culture around you? From the social media? Do you get truth from the most popular opinion? Do you get truth from your feelings, what you feel, what you think, what your opinion is? or someone that you respect from another person? Or do you get truth from God's word? From God's word. And I want to I give you a challenge. I got three challenges for you. Number one is to declare that the word of God is your source of truth. To declare that this is 
your final authority on all truth right here. And so if you want to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to say this with me. This is a declaration, and I'm going to say it this way. This is the Word of God. This is my final authority of truth. I believe it, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I will build my life on it. So if that's what you believe, I, I pray that you will settle this issue once and for all, that your truth will always be found in the Word of God, not from any other source, not the culture, not other people, and not your own thinking, not your own feelings, not your own opinions, but that the Word of God is your true, full, and final authority for all truth. Let's declare it together. Just say this with me. This is the Word of God. This is my final authority of truth. I believe it, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, I will build my life on it. Amen. You need to have that strong conviction that everything that you believe is going to come from the Bible. This is your truth, okay? The second one, and I want to say it this way before I go on to the second challenge, is if you read and learn something from the Bible that's contrary to something that you believe or that you think, then you need to change your mind or you need to disagree with the Bible. And those who will find something that they believe and they read the Bible and they're like, wait a minute, the Bible doesn't believe that. The Bible is saying something different. You have a choice to make, right? Am I going to change my, tr my truth for God's truth or am I going to reject God's truth and hold on to my truth or the world's truth? It's that simple. And by making this declaration, we're saying every time that I find something that I, uh, that I disagree with in the Bible, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to be conformed and transformed to God's truth. I'm not going to just pick and choose parts of it because that's where deception comes in. And people are doing this today. Our world is doing this today. There's parts of the Bible that people are agreeing with and like, yeah, I'm fine with that. And there's other parts of the Bible that are saying, uh, no, I don't agree with that. I think this is old. I think this is outdated. Times change. People change. Cultures change. Okay, that's fine. But the Word of God doesn't change. The Word of God is eternal, and it is true, and it is perfect. So as a Christian, we need to decide that this is my source of truth, right? The Bible says here in Psalm 117:7, the truth of the Lord is everlasting. God's truth doesn't change. God's truth isn't outdated. God's truth doesn't fall behind the times. And so this is our truth at all times, in all ages, because it's eternal, and we believe that. All right, so keep your shine. How do you keep your shine? In other words, how do you walk in the light and not fall into deception? Number two is to be filled with and live in the Holy Spirit. To be filled with and live in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because I'm just going to give one verse here. John 16, 13, Jesus says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit has been poured into our lives as an advocate, a comforter, a helper, and a guide. 
We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we are tuned into His voice because He is our guide into truth. And there's times when something's coming at us and there's just something inside of us that says, eh, that's not right. Something doesn't feel right. That doesn't sound right. I'm not, I don't, that, I'm not comfortable with that. It's the Holy Spirit in us, the guider of truth, right? Who's saying, no, 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 that's not true. Red flag, red flag, red flag. And if we ignore that voice, if we ignore that, I, sometimes it feels like a gut check, but it's really the Holy Spirit. If we ignore that, we are going to fall into deception because the Spirit will always lead you into truth and He will always guide you towards Jesus and the Word of God. The Spirit and the Word always come together. There's always unity in the Spirit and the Word. They always agree and testify together, okay? And so the, the Word of God is, is one of those tools and then the Holy Spirit also leads us and guides us to all truth. So my second challenge is decide to grow in the Spirit. So we're doing these fresh fire services once a month on Saturday nights. Our next one is going to be December 11th. And we're going to have Mike Benson coming here to just preach the word and minister to us. But those events and those services are meant to give us a chance to grow in the Spirit. We need to have a life in the Spirit pursuing the Spirit, pursuing this fellowship of the Spirit so that we are tuned in so that we can walk out our faith with His empowerment, okay? So thirdly, how do you keep your shine? In other words, how do you walk in the light and not fall into deception? I believe we need to surround ourselves with Spirit-filled friends, with believers who know God and are authentic in their relationships with us. The Bible says in Romans 12.10, Be devoted to one another, in brotherly love. Are you devoted to some people with brotherly love? Ephesians 4, 15 and, uh, and 25 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. So it's through speaking the love, truth in love with one another that we grow that we are safe from deception and we come out of some wrong beliefs and wrong thinking patterns. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truth, truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And so my third challenge to you is to devote yourself to building Christian friendships of authenticity, of accountability, um, and uh, relationships that are of truth, that you speak truth to one another. So we're trying to get some life groups going again. We're trying to just reconnect with one another. You can uh, call the church and get a list of different life groups that are available if you're not in one yet. And we just need to develop and devote ourselves to building these kinds of Christian relationships for our own sake. It's speaking the truth in love with one another. We have these kind of trusting relationships that will protect us from falling into deceit and, and protect us from blind spots that we just don't see by ourselves. So we're in this together. We are a team. We're a family. Uh, and we are serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who's coming for us. Again, Jesus said, when you see these things happening, when you see the chaos erupting, when you see these birth pains increasing in frequency and increasing in intensity, he says, stand up and look, lift up your head. In other words, look up to heaven because your redemption 
is coming nigh. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So Jesus is our source. He is the word of God. He's full of grace and truth. He is the way, the truth, and life for each and every one of us. And it's through that relationship with him that we can know the truth and the truth will set us free. That's how we shine. And I just want to pray for you uh, before I let you go. Just pray that God will help your light shine even brighter, purifying your life, purifying your heart uh, through God's grace and His truth, that you will shine the image of God as the darkness seems to be getting darker. May the light of His love and His redemption shine brighter and brighter in you and through you because that is going to make a difference in people around you. If you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now to get right with Jesus, to lay your, your life down before Him and to trust in Him as your Lord and Savior, to be born again and to begin to experience a life of the Spirit instead of a life of the flesh. So if that's you, you just say, I want Jesus. I want to know Him as my Lord and Savior. I want to lead you in this prayer. Pray this with me, okay? Say, Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you're for me, that you gave your life so that I could be redeemed, forgiven, saved, and given eternal life in you. Today, I place my faith in you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for forgiving me and washing me clean of all my sin. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit so I had the power to live this new life in you. And may, may the light, Lord, that you have in me can continue to increase and shine brighter and brighter to those around me. May your love, Lord, flow through me. May my life touch other lives. May I, through the power of your Spirit, be strong in you to be able to invade darkness with truth and grace and reach people for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's start shining, church. we got to keep shining because we've got a great mission that God has given us to fulfill. So even tonight, uh, during our Light the Night, we're looking to just love people and make an impression upon them with the love of God and the Spirit of God, that they just sense God's presence, sense God's love, even in the midst of, of a dark night, that there's going to be a light shining here. And uh, may the light of God just shine brightly through you. So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day and a great week.